to Mixed Reviews, your primetime medium for dank-ass media. I am here with my cohort, Paige, covering one of the greatest movies <laughs> that has come out in our lifetime. Paige? <laughs> we watched Crank. We watched fucking Crank, and it was awesome. I haven't had this good of a time with a movie since, like, 1996. This is amazing. It's such a good fucking movie. It's not even, like, that's the thing. It's not a good movie. It's not a good... I mean, I, the bro, I'm by... I think, I think it is. I actually do, on a deeper artistic level, I actually think Crank is a great movie. But oh, maybe that's my poor taste. So I can't, I can't put that out into the ether. <laughs> oh, I would argue with you there. I think, I think this movie is absolutely fantastic. It knows ex exactly the audience it's pandering to. It doesn't deviate away from that. It and even audiences that it's not pandering to, you're still gonna have a great time. A hundred percent. Yes. This is, this is like the pinnacle of early two thousands action for me. Yeah. Like when people imagine like the aesthetic of an early two thousands actions. They don't know that they're imagining Crank, but they're imagining Crank. They're imagining Crank. Should we take a brief moment to explain the plot of Crank? Because you can honestly do it in one I second. I was going to say, yeah, go for it. It's going to take us two minutes. <laughs> uh, guy is involved in some bad stuff, gets drugged with the thing that makes it. If he doesn't have adrenaline constantly pumping through his system, he will literally die. So, I mean, I'm sure everybody at this point knows at least the premise of Crank, even if they haven't seen the movies. Yeah, you didn't... Sorry. I well, I just knew it was a dude that had to keep going, but I didn't know it was like gang stuff and like right? all that. I, I feel like this is a great movie that sets up so many different plot points that actually all finish themselves because they're so like over dramatized, they're so caricature, they're so like yeah. tropey. And like for a movie like this, it works. It works yes. really, really, really well. Yes. This. It it and it doesn't explain things like you. They could get all like pseudoscience crappy with the like the drug he's taking. He's just like they're just they like just it's the Chinese shit. <laughs> Chinese, Chinese shit. Sorry, this also uh, after uh, Luck of the Irish. This might be the most offensive movie that we've covered. Like as yeah. far as, as far as PC stuff, this movie. And I feel like that's where I understand that people get frustrated with it because like there's a lot of really offensive shit in this movie. But I, I almost feel like that's kind of the point. It's, but if you're not comfortable with it, I understand. Cause if it, does it wasn't get... the point, it was 2002 when people literally knew nothing. So I yeah, guess exactly. like, maybe not let it go, but, you know, look Ag at it through the looking glass. that we as a society have progressed, but this still exists and we can still appreciate it. Yes. <laughs> in, in, the, in the realm of where it came from. Yes. Like the over-stereotyped Mexican cholo boss that's just like... <laughs> Or Yo, the man, that I got rips, you with that Chinese shit. He <laughs> rips his taxi driver out of his taxi and shouts Al-Qaeda at him. And everybody swords him and then he steals his taxi. Did you catch the old lady breaking his arm? Yeah, yeah. No, he, those are the people who care about Al-Qaeda. If, if you did that now and somebody was like, terrorist, half of the people would be like, okay. <laughs> What are they terrorizing for? Do I agree with it? I might. <laughs> America's pretty shit. That's exactly it. <laughs> I just love how they had fucking Granny break his arm Like, backwards. very clearly in frame that it's just it's a single grandmother and him. It's great. Um, and also, I feel like, I feel like, because I was reading a little bit about this and how they cast Jason Statham, because he didn't want to be in this movie. Yes. Because he didn't think he was funny, and he's not... But they were like, just play it straight. And, it and that's works. why it works. It works perfectly. I'm trying to think. I feel like we had another movie that we... I think it was even like mildly Van Helsing we talked about. Where we were like, he plays like... Hugh Jackman is playing it straight. It's everybody oh, yeah. else around them that's that is nuts. making this crazy world. They don't <laughs> suck, but they're crazy. <laughs> they're fucking nuts. It like accidentally works as the straight man. Even though the straight man is still written with comedy dialogue. Yeah, and I feel like that, that idea is what probably spawned this movie which i think is yeah. why i like it because it's definitely it feels like it's a very great execution of an idea yes which i can't i can't not appreciate that in a movie especially in a movie that's this entertaining and this fun to watch this reminded me so much of hardcore henry um but it was like what inspired hardcore henry and what everything hardcore henry got wrong i still like hardcore henry i imagine they saw the literally the first shot of this movie and went what we are we an entire movie like that <laughs> And honestly, that opening shot looks amazing. So it looks good. so great. So this is this is my the, 
when we started this podcast episode, this is gonna be my second rewatch of Crank. I'd already seen it before. And I'd like ingested it and I was like, oh yeah, this is a fun movie, but I just had other stuff on my plate and, and things. And I was trying to remember, like, I was like, what the fuck is the beginning? Like, what is our character's origin? There's none. The movie, the movie starts and Jason Statham is waking up and watching a video of guys drugging him. And that is the entire first 10 minutes of the movie. Yes. It's awesome. And that's that's literally all you need to know. They touch on like what he does, but no more it than I matter. kill people. I kill and yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. And, and they give it, they do it in like a flashback and they do that fucking oversaturated. I, 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 I know it's dated and I'm probably never going to use it in like a film or like in a video going forward unless that's the idea we're going for. But I really, really like that. that yeah. Just, it's just like a time capsule. It puts that, that you, was the way. It puts you in the early 2000s mood. Yeah, when yeah, like exactly. film was fun and dumb and served and no purpose. Yeah, yeah. Well, because like a lot of people do flashbacks and it's always in black and white, and it's like I get it. I yeah. But it's like I get that you need to visually make the flashbacks look different. Otherwise, we were just talking about Euphoria. You can't tell the time difference because it's all shot the exact same way. Yeah. But I feel like when you're doing it black and white, that's such a fucking lazy like on the nose. Like, look, it's old now. That's why it's black and white. But when or I think old, saturated. I think like. Decades ago, when really they're like panning back to like five months five prior. Years. <laughs> One year ago. Yeah, <laughs> like Van Helsing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, th- this this does it. Like it just, I don't know. The the color shifts, the color changing, in, and the edit is crazy in this movie. Yeah. Oh my god, I feel like they saw Requiem for a Dream and went, "We can get close to that many cuts, don't you think?" <laughs> so many cuts. Too many cuts. <laughs> There's no such thing as too many cuts if it's working well. I tell you what, I feel bad for the cameraman because all I could imagine was the cameraman having to hold the Did camera. Did you hear? There were two sh- directors and they were the camera people. Really? Yeah, yeah. The two directors and the screenwriter, they were the camera operators. They, they had must, a DP. They must they have had. arms of steel because I know they were hovering that camera inches above the ground, pivoting it for like every other shot. Yeah, yeah. Especially like when you go to use cinema cameras too. Like, like everybody like thinks it's super cool. Like, oh wow, look at this big camera rig. And it's like, no, but you have to move that. That whole it's thing heavy. has to move and it has to look good. And every yeah. time you don't get that shot, I remember the first time I ever had to operate, like I knew that I had to operate a gimbal. I literally was working out my forearms because I knew like that's where it all sits. It all just sits in your arms. Yeah. And it's like you have to hold that for as long as it takes to get the shot because you're the camera person. You can't move. Is- the camera can't be noticeable unless it's intentionally more noticeable. Is there, like, statistics of camera operators having, like, back and shoulder problems? Kind of like um that Will Smith movie, uh, Concussion or whatever? Oh, like, I'm sure. I mean, no, we can go. If you want to go into the tech, that's why, like, the whole, like, new revolution of, like, the different ways that ready rigs are being built. Those big vests that camera ops can wear. That They literally have, like, arms. They look like robots. They have arms that will come out from the vest to, like, take the weight off of the camera. So they can just, like, So they don't have around. years of medical bills they have to do? Yeah, that? yeah. Because it's going to fuck you up that's why that's why i know like i wouldn't be a great camera op because i'm 5'3 <laughs> and for me to be at eye level with a normal actor i have to hold a fucking 10 pound camera like at my eye level like just slightly above my nose and it's like most dps hold it here yeah i have to go here <laughs> and it makes my arms hurt so much more there's so many times that i've been like i'm too tired i'm sorry i just i can't keep my arms up that high that long this is why I get so frustrated. I know you do this just because you work in the industry. You call the actors the talent. And like, that's oh, you like don't a like co- that? Yeah, I, yeah. I hate that. I, really? I think it's, I'd so, I think it's What so, would you rather us call them, then? Just actors. The actors. Because if you ask well, me, everybody's equally as talented. And that's so, like... But that's, see, that's the thing, though. Because, like, when you, go, when you go on sets, actors, I guess, specifically, they have... There's, like, that hierarchy in the film industry where you have the separation between crew and talent. That's why... There's a dividing line. Like, you have your actors, but, like, background actors are still technically talent. Like, and you're supposed to have, well, at least the way that I was taught, I don't know if it's accurate to the industry, but the way I was taught is there's a definitive line between crew and cast Mm. where, like, the crew is not supposed to interact with the cast unless the cast interacts with us. Yeah. Like, we're not supposed to bother them, so we just call them, because, like, and because there's so many people coming through, and, like, if your crew, if you're on a TV show or if you're on a talk show or something, you're seeing hundreds of people come through so you just call them all talent you're like okay it's talent that's just not my department so that's the way we generalize it is being like if you're on camera you're talent if you're not on camera you're crew fair i just feel like it's a positive word versus a neutral word and i'm just like mm. and it has nothing to do with your acting ability you can be garbage talent i've been so many people who are garbage talents they're not actually <laughs> talented but you call them talent because that's what they're there for 
If a boom guy slips the mic into the shot, is he then considered talent by accident? No, no, only the, the mic itself. Because it's not oh, Gary. Like, the mic idiot. gets an Oscar nod. Did you not understand? Did you not hear anything I was saying? Yes, no, the mic is now talent. If the mic is on camera, the mic is now talent. And you cannot speak to it. <laughs> they have to throw the whole mic out. No one can speak to it ever again. Oh, God, the boom. It's not It's not SAG officiated. We can't, we can't have it in the shot. <laughs> I want to see the boom op who who sues. They're like, I saw my boom in the shot. I did not give you. I did not sign the release <laughs> for you guys to use my boom <laughs> in the in the scene. <laughs> I want to nominate a single boom that gets slipped in, and because they'll take anybody's vote, right? I, I just nominate, I want to nominate all the fucking Kino flow lights that I see in the back of shots. <laughs> those need those need like cinematographer of the year. I just want to ruin some Academy board member's day when he has to go through those votes and be like, the hell, who is this person? Get out of here. <laughs> Shut the... Yeah, we talk about like, the Academy actually listens to our votes. It's all money. It's all white people. It's all <laughs> I used white to think people had money. I used to think we got to vote on the Academy, too. I thought it was like the Teen Choice Awards, which is also probably yeah. big. But I was like, oh, if I sign in, if I write in my, my vote, my ballot, on the internet and give them my email. Doesn't matter. They'll know. No. No, they won't. They'll laugh as they drink their like three thousand dollar champagne. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't drink three thousand dollars. They open it and spray it over everything. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen anybody actually drink expensive champagne. They just fucking pour it into a pool. They're like, yeah, sick shit. Two hundred years age. <laughs> this is some Civil War champagne. It's going right into my jacuzzi. <laughs> Please cut my fucking store out, you asshole. <laughs> we'll try. <laughs> we'll peek the mic. Then I'll notice. I definitely see it. Fuck. <laughs> Wait, sorry. Yeah, going back to Crank. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. We're talking about an actual movie, not just making fun of Oh, okay, okay. It's an actual movie. But, I mean, it's a, it's an hour and 27 minutes long. That's which... the other thing. It doesn't waste your time. It doesn't. And you also, as somebody who edits, I have to give credit. When you shoot a movie that has that many fucking cuts and has yes. that profound of an edit, to even make it to an hour 30 and consistently keep up that edit style, and that, that's crazy. Yeah, the, the it never loses pace. I think maybe Ever. by the end, when, once everything starts wrapping together. Because it has to. Because it's it's like, yeah. it's, I feel like it, the, the third act of Crank is like, it's it's more like transparent than most third acts of movies where a yeah. lot of the times like we constantly complain they're like people build these great first two acts and then don't know how to wrap it up and like yeah. everything starts falling apart this they knew that they didn't know how to wrap like they, they knew how to wrap it up because it was easy but they were like but we're just gonna do it we're just gonna yeah. just gonna fucking you already came this far into the movie it's not like we're actually wasting your time it's, yeah you know 50 minutes in at this point might as well just and they, they make it clear. Spoilers for Crank. Uh, Jason Statham dies, but also, have you seen Crank 2? I was, I was literally like, wait, should we watch the second one? <laughs> I feel yeah, like we lives. have to now. I think so now, yeah, yeah, because he does live. He he, yeah, and he's in it, even though he falls from a helicopter onto a fucking taxi <laughs> and bounces 30 feet into the air and then lands face, face first, first to the camera. Face first to the camera. With cam. the best green screen I've ever seen in my life. It there's looks some, so good. It, there's there's some good. I mean, the green screen. Like the thing is, like because it's older, you can tell. Oh, I was being but completely like, sarcastic. It's terrible. Well, I know, but I but I also that's, I know you were being sarcastic, but I oh. like that. I like that you can tell how bad it is because like that whole falling scene. My it like wouldn't make sense if you were actually falling. No, my favorite moment in the whole movie of bad effects is when he's driving through the mall. With in like an old Camino or something, and it goes up the escalator, and it's just like very clearly a horrible Toy Story SCG car, and it just flips, and then it's not just a CG car, it's a green screen CG that, that he's they... walking on, <laughs> walking on, <laughs> quote unquote. <laughs> they put into the mall, and then also green screen Jason Statham on top of the green screen CG car. Can we, okay, so can we go into the fact that this is, like, because, like, yes, that's a perfect example of, like, why this movie is, like, chaotic awesome. 
Yeah. Because, like, yeah, there's all that dumb shit. But we also have to remember, like, if you're thinking, like, story character-wise, he's on the phone the whole time. <laughs> so your attention is only on the phone call because they're actually talking about interesting plot shit. Yeah. So you're on the phone with him and all of this, he just starts driving through a mall and then, like, yeah, the CGI shams and he's still on the phone and the whole goddamn time. Yeah, because that's when we're, they're doing the exposition of, like, what exactly has happened yeah. to him. And I love how it's almost that like the writers. Awesome, by the way. Yeah, I the it's almost like the writers knew like if we have this crazy scene in the background, people are not going to notice if we're talking about this stuff. So they have a moment where Jason Statham has to respond to the question, "What are you doing?" Oh, driving through a mall. And that's when I cued in, like, "Oh shit, we are driving through a mall." We are driving through. A... He does it because he does it so chill. Yeah, like, it's so it's so relaxing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't know if this is. I, I did. Like I said, I read. I read some of the the facts about it because I know a lot of it pulled inspiration from GTA. But even yes. before I knew that, when I was watching it, I was like, "This is a fucking GTA shit." Also, yeah. everybody, as everybody knows, I'm an LA simp. If you're shooting a movie in LA, like I'm just gonna be like, ah, I just at least love where it's being shot. <laughs> like I love the way it all looks. Oh yeah, Amy Smart's in this fucking movie. I don't know. That means nothing to me. Sorry. She's the chick in the butterfly effect. I haven't seen that movie. Oh. It's not bad. Anyway, uh, that's who the chick is, is Amy Smart. I've definitely seen her name on a lot of things. Doesn't she voice act a bit? Uh, she shouldn't, because she's terrible at all acting. <laughs> she's so bad at She's the worst part of this whole movie. As soon as she comes in... But I think, honestly, okay, okay. I agree with that, because she's very much like that ditzy bitch. Yeah. But first off, I love the way they introduce her character, where he's trying to call her for the entire first half of the movie, and she's asleep. Get a cell phone, sweetheart. <laughs> Get a cell phone, please don't. And I just keep zooming in on her fucking orange landline. <laughs> and you finally get her. I, I I don't know. Like, yeah, she's... I don't know if... Like I said, I, this is the only thing I can actually, like, memorize, like memorably know her from. Mm-hmm. But she works as, like, the perfect... Dumb she does. Bitch. And I think it's because Jason Statham is playing it so straight. Yeah. Like, it, like, it's the first time that, like, the out-of-place protagonist is actually what's tying together the rest of the movie. Yeah. And that's very weird to me, because usually it's the other way around. Usually it's everybody else kind of, like, trying to fix this awful star that you cast for this but main role. Everybody works so great with every. Everybody knows exactly what movie they're in. And, 100%. And they they don't care. Even um, uh, Dennis from It's Always Sunny shows up at one point. Um, he's Who does the, he play he, you haven't seen all It's Always Sunny? I've seen I've seen like three episodes. Not enough to like know characters. Oh, okay. I know well, I, I the, know like Matt, Mac and Charlie Day. Okay, so the other guy that's not uh, the chick. Oh yeah, he's the he's the guy in the hospital, right? He's the guy in the hospital. That's that where he, I recognized him. I was like, wait, is he in scrubs? <laughs> <laughs> he knows exactly what movie's in. He's like screaming oh, in scrubs. Perfect. He's perfect. so good in that. I feel like and I feel like that's also one of those things that um, makes this movie really well. And it's one of those things that when you're like conceptualizing a movie, it's very hard to wrap your head around having that many characters. Yeah. Cause like obviously on a practical Flying level, in and out at breakdown well, yeah, speed. You have, to, you have to practicalize and be like, do all of these characters have chemistry that works? Can we shoot with these characters? How does the schedule work out? Can we afford to have this many people with speaking parts? And yeah. this movie, like it's very much just, it's almost like a really fucked up road trip movie, but just through Los Angeles, like just through the valley. That's a <laughs> just, really good way of putting it. Yeah, it's literally just like a road trip movie from Glendale to Beverly Hills. Have you ever been to California? That's guaranteed, yeah, that's 40 minutes if you're taking the fucking highway. <laughs> Which is about as long as this movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. It's pretty accurate. <laughs> but it's also like, I don't know, it, it just works really well. The places that they go work the people i feel like they have the people in there for as enough enough time that they need to be in there yeah i feel like that's why amy smart works is because like i said she doesn't even get introduced until halfway through the movie she's there they do that we definitely have to come back to the dubious consent sex scene because Ooh. as women we have to cover that but then and then she, you know she's she does her thing she comes back but she's not like that bitch who's just hanging out she doesn't I mean, overstay she her welcome. I do like her line of, yes. my boyfriend kills people. I <laughs> love that shit. <laughs> Don't talk to him like that. My boyfriend kills people. <laughs> that's me. That's me when anybody talks about my cat poorly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk to my son like that. He's a murderer. <laughs> he's not. <laughs> he's, he's literally never even killed a bug, but. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk about my son like that. He's a murderer. He's <laughs> Is I do like the the only other straight man they really have in this is, is the doctor, who is 
played off because even when they introduce him, he's like in Las Vegas with like strippers just taking a casual phone call. So not even that is done straight. I, I don't, I, yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess if you know a doctor that personally, maybe that's a straight play of a doctor. But like when we hear, oh, I'm, I'm calling my doctor and they're at a strip club and being like, oh, your dick is rock fucking hard, I bet. I'm like, oh, it's that kind of doctor. <laughs> I do like the scene where he takes, so there's a specific moment where um, he's like, you need epinephrine because like epinephrine like does, I don't know. It's, I, it's imitation adrenaline. Which I'm very curious if any of like the the crap that they put in this is even slightly accurate or if they were just making stuff up. Who cares? It's Chinese shit. <laughs> Doesn't matter. But he's like, you need epinephrine, only use a fifth of a syringe. And Jason Statham like injects all of it. And then... <laughs> gets a burst of energy and is like sprinting through Hollywood. I love that he's just running his entire like character costume and the second act is just a hospital gown with, with tennis butt. shoes. His, his, his fucking assholes is on full display in like every shot. Props to Jason Statham running and like giving lines very clearly and concisely and he's he's not like doing a small jog. He is sprinting. Well I think that's why I think that to me is like where I'm enjoying this level of filmmaking because you can tell like that's why they picked him. Yeah, because he can do and, it. And like that's and that's why they gave him that script because when he was like, I can't be funny. They're like, you don't have to be funny. Just play it straight. We need everything stamina. Else will, yeah, everything else will do the work and everything else does do the work. And yes. that, that to me is nuts. That, yeah. Especially nowadays, we rarely see that actually come to fruition in yeah. a movie that's still entertaining and fun. Yes. You and I, we like fun movies, and this is exactly... This is fun at its, like, core. Like, this yeah. is everything you need it to be. And, yeah, J I, Jason Statham did all his own stuff, right? I mean, obviously. He had yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, did, he even did the car shit. Oh, yeah, that's right. He does all... Because I know he does that in The too. Transporter. He does, like, all his own driving yeah, for The yeah, Transporter movies. <laughs> yeah, I, ref I I always, like, think of Jason Statham as, like, the, the British... I think he's British, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's the very British... British. More gritty version of Bruce Willis. I just think of him as a British Australian. I know. I almost thought he was Australian for a second, but I was like, your accent's just a bit too thick. It's a it's bit too thick It's because he's the adrenaline Australian. junkie. Like, all fucking Australian talent is where they just, like, put me in the most dangerous scenario possible. I'll do it for the shot. I don't even care. Well, that's because they're like, we live through this every single... This is how I yeah. have to get to work. Have you seen our spiders? <laughs> I, don't, I don't care if you're going to pay me a million dollars to do this for five minutes. <laughs> I'll do it for six. It doesn't matter. Yeah. This is literally like how I decided to wake up every day. God. But yeah, he's he's incredible. After I watched Crank, I went on like a big, bit of an action like binge. Like I watched The Transporter right after this and I was like, where did he go? Like he just kind of like did a couple. He's in Hobbs and Shaw. I mean, he's in the fast. Yes, he's in the, like, yeah. Ooh. I feel like, I feel like, because especially like. Since after this, I kind of looked in a bit to like who Jason Statham was and like why, like why he's a fucking tank of a man. Yeah. <laughs> and like, cause like with people like that, especially like even with The Rock, even with people like Adam Driver, they did not come from like Hollywood backgrounds. Adam Driver has a military background, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's what we were talking because like we we talk about like actors like like Jake Gyllenhaal who came from he comes straight from a family of, of filmmakers yeah where like somebody like this who comes from a completely different world and just shows up here and blows it into the stratosphere like, yeah. hey, what what is it that you're doing and it's like it's definitely the accent it's gotta be yeah. probably the accent and the fact that he yeah he can do his lines and do his stunts and it works and it's believable yes and it fits so well with this movie and also uh this so you love dirty films obviously what, yeah grunge how how grunge and dirty is this film for you Ooh, does this hit okay, you where okay. you need it to this is my problem. This is my problem. I live in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. So, like I'm saying, this is this is Glendale to uh, Beverly Hills. You're not even going to the deep parts of Los Angeles. I love it because you get to see the natural grunge of Los Angeles, but you see the good grunge. Oh. That's the good grunge of Los Angeles. What you saw, Chinatown's probably the, like, the grungiest part they go to. But, like, but I love it. I, I like it. It's definitely, it adds to it for sure. I feel like where they didn't get the grunge that you wanted, they made up in Jason Statham as a person because he is yes, an yeah. icky human being. Yeah, <laughs> just that's, looks what I'm, gross. that's what I'm saying. Like, like if we're talking about like straight up, just like the setting, the aesthetic of it. Like, no. To be fair, like as, if you're talking about just the aesthetic, they're just capturing Los Angeles. When we talk about something that's super grunge, like when I consider really grunge, I think of like 
Enter the Void, which is, yeah. you know, deep Tokyo, or I think of Requiem, which is taking Brooklyn and then, like, warping it to make it look like this awful thing. Yeah. I like this one because they're taking them that's just, like, naturally grungy. They're, like, letting it be its natural grunge and then everything else is happening there. <laughs> so I wouldn't say it's, like, deep grunge, but I, I, I do love the fact that it's, like, the, the deep city vibe. I yeah. love that deep city vibe. It feels it feels very lived in. They they had like the perfect amount of extras where it wasn't like so many. Is, there's no reason this many people would be here. And like what, normally when I see too many extras, that's what I think. But this is like I know this place is packed. I know everybody's yeah. sweaty and gross. Well, in there. I, apparently a lot of their extras too, because like this is this is the cool thing about like early early two thousands movie making. Like not everybody could be on the set. So like sometimes yeah. like a lot of those people are just random people. Mm-hmm. Like that sex scene in Chinatown, apparently, like it's mostly background actors, but there's actually random fucking people just walking around there. Cause it's like, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Pay a billion dollars to shut down Chinatown just yeah. to hoard your fucking ten actors that you can barely afford? No, you're just gonna close off that one part and be like, okay, if anybody's walking by and seeing it, they're seeing it. I'm curious, what was the budget of this movie? Oh yeah, that's a good question. Crank budget because it looks low budget as hell 12 million uh, uh, oh i was literally about to say 2 million I, I was gonna say like my lowest my lowest guess would be 2 million there's no yeah. way this movie yeah this movie was definitely in the mills the, i'm i'm very i'm very bad at judging like what constitutes as like a high budget and a low budget that's like it, a mid low right uh, well yeah 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 no the thing is the thing is like especially between like 2010 and now the the budget of like low budget films has been changing so like you used to like a low budget film started off as being like a hundred thousand dollars then it like uh early 2000s it was like three to five Mm -hmm. now if you're doing a quote-unquote low budget film oh it's like like half a billion it's like and if you make a movie that's in like the single digit millions people are like i don't even know how you fucking made that That's how I know they must have they must have done some guerrilla shooting because if their budget was five million, they're shooting in L.A. and two, even in two thousand and six, L.A. is yeah. because ex- everybody shoots in L.A. You have to get so many like permits and shit, and they charge you up the ass for it because obviously yeah. most of the people who are shooting there are big ass companies. Yeah, but this is so guerrilla. Like I, I guarantee half of these shots are illegal. Yeah. <laughs> I think this these kinds of movies is what started like the hardcore permits in like probably like the early two, 2010s. Yeah. Of people being like, "Oh fuck, people are just shooting whatever they want anywhere here." Cuz in the early 2000s, this is when we had like the big action boom that happened. Probably because it was so cheap. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I it, think so. And it's much easier to get away with a dude quickly sprinting down a, sh- a street that you're not allowed to do than it is to like film a whole scene. So like especially we'll if you're doing you- this like cinema verite style and like yeah. I feel like that's that's another reason why I I really enjoy the edit on this movie because it's it's very like it's very fitting for the movie, mm-hmm. which is for me always a thing that I look at. That's the first thing I look at at an edit. Yeah. If I see an edit, is the edit fitting for the movie? Because technically, yes, editors are creators, but we also are the last person to touch the film. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure that we're upholding, you know, the, the, the actual image of the film. Like, yeah. that's the whole point of why we have the job. So to see this movie be, like, this stylistic as an edit and still be so, like, consistent and cohesive and, like, understandable, it's, like, a very, very, like, really good use of the craft. Like on like so many levels. There was one. There was one scene. I don't know if you remember the scene. There's a scene. The one of the scenes. He's. I think it's. It's after the mall scene. So it's, he's driving. He's driving. He's on the phone. When he's is he not phone. driving? Yeah, true. When he's fucking people up and in the hospital and doing drugs, <laughs> and fucking his girlfriend. <laughs> um, no, but there's this one scene where he's driving in the car and like um, it's like a shot through the passenger window onto Jason Statham and you can see the driver's side mirror. And the guy he's on the phone with is in the driver's side mirror. And then as soon as the call disconnects, it disappears. Isn't that? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really, really cool. They there's, do, a- like, there's a lot of little tiny fucking like edit things that I'm like, to, to even pick that out like on a creative level is kind yeah. of insane. I did notice they did like some fun ones. Like uh, the one that came to mind is, I don't know who this person is. I don't know what their gender identity is for the character. I'm just going to call her her. But... It's I think we're talking about the same person. <laughs> okay. Is it the same guy? <laughs> so he has this guy that just like wears a belly shirt and some sunglasses and like hair clips. You know, she's fabulous. She's wonderful. There's a moment where he's on the phone with him and uh, Jason Statham is walking. It does like a split screen and it shows from the front. And then when the two meet, that's when it crashes together. And I 
fucking love that. You don't see, like, go-getter editing styles like that. No, and you don't see... Because, like, I mean, I mean, we love Requiem, obviously. I'm a simp for split screens when you do them well. When you do them well. Yeah. Um, and, like, the split screens in here, they're really... They're... It's... This is where I like to see the edit more as a creative tool and less yeah. of, like, let me assemble this movie. Yeah. Really, a lot of times when you edit, a lot of the times you're just like, let me just assemble. Like, I need to get this into a, a sequence of something that people can understand. Mm-hmm. But, like, when you get to go to times like that, it's like... Yeah, he's on the phone, he's driving so many times, and it's not a long movie, but how do you make that interesting? And they figure it out, they do all those, like, um, the sliding, the sliding split screens, like, the quadruple. The subtitles that you have, when, if oh, you, like... Oh, when you see the reverse subtitle, too? Yes! That shit's awesome! That was so cool. That I was loved so that. good. I do, I do, like, so the editing and, like, the creative, like, fun choices, a lot of times for me, and I know this is gonna be blasphemous, even when I watch Requiem, sometimes the split screen, it takes me out of it. It, like, kind of halts everything a little bit, which I don't know if that's the intention, but with a fast-paced movie, like, that Where was everything's my- everything's cutting all the time, yeah. Yeah. That was my fear. As soon as we started getting creative with this editing, I was afraid they were gonna, like, fuck it up and do one that, like, halts the whole momentum, and it or they never just, Or there's that. a lot of times I've seen movies with really creative ending like this, and like I, like I told you, like, it's, it's tiring, especially, because I'm sure that's- one or two people doing most of those cuts and they have to keep watching this movie over and over and over again. So there's a lot of movies where like that kind of cut drops off. Like yeah. you hit you hit the climax of the movie and the entire third act is just done straight and cut straight. And it's like I, I get it. I get that you're tired. I understand it, but you kinda you kinda have to keep that momentum. Yeah. If the edit doesn't keep going, the movie doesn't keep going. Which is why you this nice short film was probably much easier on the editor. I'm actually looking up the editor now. Um, it's just one guy. Uh, yeah, he, it was. he did, it looks like he did a bunch of stuff for Twin Peaks, and that's about all he's done. Oh, wait, hold None on. None of them have actually done, really done anything. I think the only other, the, the, the other half director, writer, his, like, last credit was, like, the screenplay for Gerard Butler's Gamer. That's it. They haven't done anything after this. Oh, God. Other um, than the other crank. I, uh, oh, the first thing this guy edited was Natural Born Killers. Okay. Shocking. I'll have to watch it and see see if I can approve that edit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the edit's good. I just know it's a good movie. <laughs> yeah. But this 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 movie, I don't even... Do, should we talk on the Chinatown con- consent? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a good time. We're halfway through. Let's, let's, let's get into the, the Chinatown dubious consent because we, we have to get into this. <laughs> so there is a moment where the whole thing Jason Statham needs to keep his adrenaline up. And there is a moment where nothing's happening. He can't do it. He's with his girlfriend. He's like fuck me in front of everybody Everybody. and she she is very clearly like no no but then she suddenly is like okay and then he just fuck okay i'll be honest i i get that i get this scene i understand it and i think i don't think this whole scene should be taken out of the movie i personally as a woman i just don't think she should say no that many times and before having sex with somebody like, because, I mean, if she's, like, clearly, like, it gets to the point where, like, she's obviously into it. Like, she's encouraging him yeah. to have sex with her. And that's fine. Like, yeah, go for it. Just don't write it. Don't have her say no in the screenplay. Because if you keep having a girl say no, 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 I don't want to have sex with you. Sorry, that's kind of rape. It's, it is rape. It's rape. He keeps dragging her back. And, like, yeah, he you know, literally you know pulls her context. at one point. Yeah, you know his context. Like, he's, he's not really doing this because he's a monster. He's doing this because, like... This is, like, the only way he can stay alive now, and he can't really yeah. communicate that. So that's where it's, like, the frustrating thing. But also, it's, like, yeah, script-wise, I would not have a girl in public, especially if you're doing public sex, I would not have a girl say no that many times. I mean, she seems unfulfilled, but, you know, it, there is a... The, <laughs> I, I would have fixed it by probably having, like, a throwaway line quickly at the beginning of, like, oh, are we finally going to do what we're t- what I wanted to do? Something like, yeah, something like that. Where it says that she's okay with it. Yeah. Because, like, like they, I don't know, girls anything. don't just want to get... Especially the way that he leaves her. He fucks her in the middle of Chinatown. On a mailbox. Like, I gotta go. I gotta go. Bye. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, oh, okay, I guess I'm just gonna be publicly shamed alone. <laughs> I know, and she, like, looks around. I would be mortified. Even even if I did have my throwaway line, I'd be like, we're never speaking again. I'm gonna go jump off a bridge. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I definitely feel like that, that entire scene could have been written a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> it, it comes across just slightly too rapey, and I feel like it, I'm, I become really uncomfortable with it because of, I know 
at this time, we follow Jason Statham's character enough times. You know he's not a rapey guy. He's yeah. just desperate. Like, he's desperate to not die. It just so hits it, too close to home for anyone who owns a vagina. Well, because it's that dramatic irony. She doesn't know what the fuck is happening to him. No. She doesn't know why he's randomly trying to fuck her in the middle of public. Yeah. So, like, yeah, as a normal woman, we'd be like, maybe let's think this out a bit. Yeah. I, so, I just, anything. Throw it, also, throw the it. fact that he doesn't get a hard-on until he sees the school of high school chicks. Oh, my God, I didn't think Let's not that. forget that. Let's not forget Ooh. that. He's fucking her this whole time, forcing her to fuck him, and he has a softie. And he can't even get it up until he sees a bunch of high school girls watching him fuck this girl. <laughs> and then he leaves her, and he's done. <laughs> Sorry. We gotta address that. That's, that's not cool, bro. <laughs> No, no, somebody needs a therapist on this writing team. Somebody. I mean, it's 2006. True. Everybody uh, needed a therapist uh, uh, that's, that's, in 2006. That's our conversation. It's like we can't we can't hold old movies up to our progressive ideas now. It's definitely like, through the looking glass. Yeah. If I yeah, if yeah. I saw this like 2006 to like probably even 2011, I'd be like, oh yeah, yeah this great, is amazing. Great. But like now as, it's yeah. And it's honestly for me. For me, I mean, there's there's those few racial slurs, and it honestly is only really bad to me. Like, I, like, like you know, I don't really give a shit about racial slurs in movies. Yeah. I watch Michael Bay shit. <laughs> they're all they're all fucking you know covered up. Michael racism. Bay has never gotten past two thousand six. That's yeah, exactly, exactly. Michael Bay, exi- Michael Bay is two thousand six. <laughs> He's <laughs> like, the that's whole who year. He is. That's his aesthetic. <laughs> so like, like I'm cool with it. Whatever, I, I understand, like, like where the, the past is, but... Yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah, it has to be a thing where it's like... And especially now when I go back to those movies, I'm like, oh, that made me... I'm not offended, but, like, I'm, I immediately, like, acknowledge that as being like, that's something that would not pass now. No. No. It would not happen. But again, you look at you look at it through the looking glass where this is. This is a moment in history. You know, we shit on Disney all the time, but Disney is doing a cool thing on Disney Plus where they're not taking their like problematic stuff down they're putting a disclaimer like this is a moment in history where things were different and wrong and we're keeping it on here to own up to it which everybody everybody should do but i'll also add the fact that if disney actually gave a fuck what people thought about them (laughs) they'd stop doing awful fucking things to people (laughs) (laughs) this is true but you know it's the little things that we can grasp oh yeah no it's it's nice especially with like how much entertainment is coming into people's, like, forefront. Like, I mean, we, we're starting a podcast reviewing shit, and now that even, like, we're qualified, there are so many other people who just, like, speak about that stuff, but I feel like when they when they look at things like this, it's, like, it's recent enough for me to feel like I have to hold it up to a 2020 standpoint. It's like, no. No. That was a different, that was a different universe. There was a making... whole different decade. Like, yeah. Things progress so much in, like, cinema, even, like, the past, like, five years. Movies we see nowadays with their progressiveness are not the same movies we had five years ago. I also think that people forget that we have been progressing very quickly in the past 20 years. Very, very fast to the point where it's, like, like, we've all seen paradigm shifts at this point. Like, we, and that's, I think that's what's jarring us and being like, whoa, we need to call this out. Because I was just talking to my mom about how people are being like, Friends is not PC, Friends is this. It's like, it's made in the 1990s. Yeah. <laughs> for white people. It's a sitcom made in the 90s for white people. What? Like, yeah, no, it's not going to be the euphoria of 2020, <laughs> but that's what they had to work with. I don't, I don't know. And there will come a point where we look at the, at the progressive stuff that we're doing now. And, and be we're like, going to oh. be like, this is awful. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's going to shift and it's, it's going to change. And all we can do is look at it from the time period it is, try to have a good time, realize what's bad now, not make that mistake again, and just go forward. Yeah. Too many people hold these standards to things that should not apply. This is a Definitely. fun movie. This is Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's like... Honestly, it's not even tax, toxic masculinity, to be honest. I mean, no, he's dying. Yeah, I mean, it's honestly, it's almost one of those, It's I wouldn't call this a satire, but it's very close, I think, to like the idea of like what guys think being this dope-ass fucking killer would be. But yeah. then you see the reality of it, because like I said, Jason Statham is playing it totally straight. Everybody else knows exactly what the movie they're in. So he looks like a clown. He yeah. looks like a clown in like 90% of this movie. He's not... <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's the cool guy because he's killing people and he's getting fucking fucked up on adrenaline because he fucking has to. But look at but, his scenario. 
but yeah but like look at his life like he wants a simple life with a simple girl and he can't get that <laughs> nobody's gonna allow him to have it do you want to burn your hand in a waffle iron just to stay alive i don't think so i will actually oh i had to really turn it off <laughs> jesus the, the dialogue in here is fucking actually awesome I it really, is i really like it it's it's really good. I do like the moment where um she like drops her purse and she's like putting things together and like he's just beating the crap out of somebody the whole well, time. She goes, she... my stuff. <laughs> it's like welcome to the hit, bitch. Welcome to Hitman life. You don't get to take your birth control on time. I know. And he like he's she's like, oh, I forgot to take my birth control. He's like, are you kidding me? Where are the keys? I need the keys, not your birth control. I'll, I'll be on. No, I'll be honest. That was the one, like, toxic, awful thing. I'm sad they didn't put in that film because <laughs> I wish he would have been like, okay, wait, no, no, no. Yeah, get that first. <laughs> get that first. Then where are the keys? Because that's right after they have... <laughs> they have, like, yeah, yeah, no, it, it would have been perfect. I think that would have been a perfect line to just be like, okay, yeah, you know, get your birth control, take it off the ground, then let's get the keys. <laughs> take it off the ground. Okay, we also, this is really dialing it back to, like, uh, like act one, but that cocaine scene. <laughs> I love the cocaine scene. It, I, is, it, it makes me, it does make me cringe really hard, though. Oh, why? That is so much cocaine to just- That's waste. why it makes you cringe? Did you, I'm so, did you not see how he opened that bag? Well, yeah, he's, like, dying. Do you know how much cocaine- I don't, I don't, I don't do drugs. <laughs> no, no, I, don't, I, I was, do you, you, do you I forget saw, who you were talking to? I saw that and I was like, it didn't have to be this way, man. <laughs> you didn't, <laughs> it didn't, you could just, you could just take the whole bag and just snort it right into your nose if that's what you're trying to do. Don't dump it all on the fucking floor. He, maybe you're, cocaine, he doesn't do cocaine very often. He's confused and dying. He's a fucking professional. It's not that he doesn't, even if he doesn't do cocaine, you can still do it like a baller. <laughs> Like, shut the fuck up. Don't tell me you don't know how to rail lines when you don't know how to fucking shoot people in the head. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. That's his fix. He shoots people, not drugs. Always shoot people. Never do drugs, kids. Or if you're a baller, just do both. <laughs> Sasha! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't listen to our podcast. We're awful people. Uh, <laughs> as we were talking about, crank. <laughs> I do love the cocaine scene. Uh, just because the guy is, like, so confused why he needs it so bad, but it's still, like, I mean, I gotta make also, money. Also, I'm sorry, that, uh, that wide-angle shot, that's, uh, Jason Statham's perspective of all the black guys pointing guns at him, that's a great shot. Great shot, great way to cut that entire sequence. Love God. that so much. It's so good. It's so good. Do you I, mind if I, I go into, like, kind of, like, a deep, like, why, partly, other than, like, the great stylistic VFX of, like, why this no, cut is really good? I want you to. Okay, yeah, so, so, uh, I don't know, I think this probably seems like, like, basic knowledge, but, like, so every time that you cut in a movie, the audience resets their brain. Okay. So every, so that's why when you, when you are using an edit to be, like, artistic, you have to make sure, like, you, you leave this scene for this long, you let them look at this for this long then you cut to something specific. That's the juxtaposition. So like now they, they've sat with that. They move to this. Mm -hmm. So now they understand this cut. Then you can cut to something else. Mm -hmm. And you can do that. And, that, and like that's kind of how editing is the is another creative process of, of filmmaking. Because technically, we are the ones guiding your attention. Every yep. single time. Like We're the ones picking the shots that you're going to see. We pick how long you see those shots. When you see them. Why you see them. If you're seeing different dialogue. When you J-cut and you put different dialogue over a shot that's not related to it. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what you do it. So this movie does something that I really, really enjoy, and it's uh, an editing practice that I definitely think has to be reeled in, because it's a really cool thing to do. When you have the exact same scene, but you keep cutting in that exact same scene, like, you'll have moments where, like, it's, it's Jason Zayden, like, he's coming out of the car, and every single shot is still him coming out of the car, almost at the exact same angle, but because you're cutting it, it's resetting the audience's, like, like interpretation of that scene every single time that you're changing just yes. mildly yes. and i think that's why this movie can like keeps its pace because the, that the editor knows he knows when to cut it when to cut away when to keep bringing your attention back and forth to things and that to me is like like yeah it's a very stylistic edit and there are some edits don't get me wrong like a uh, black swan i think has a really good edit but it's Ooh. not yeah no I, I would definitely say between black swan and the wrestler those are aronofsky's best edited movies well, I mean, and Requiem, but Requiem is a very style, like, yeah. very stylistic edit. It's, it's good for a different reason. 
Yeah, yeah, where Black Swan is very, like, he gives you each frame, each scene, and he cuts it very normal. It's, that's why I think it, that movie works, because you don't get the crazy Aronofsky cuts until the third act. Yeah. But up until then, you're like, why am I getting so comfortable? Yeah. Why does this pacing make so much sense? And, like, that's also a good edit, but it's, like, to the point where it's so, like, undercut, you don't even notice that that's why you're enjoying the buildup. Where yeah. something like this is also a good cut, but they're giving you, they've been, this, this, this is what we're cutting. We're cutting every single time here, and we're directing your attention to different spots every single time that we're doing it. Yes. And I, that, yeah, that's that's the difference between, like, I mean, I guess it's like, like cinema verite versus direct cinema. Especially when you're, like, going into editing, where it's, like, something like this, it's very rough around the edges. It's almost, like, guerrilla style. Mm-hmm. Or then you have something like, like Black Swan, where it's very, like, all those clean. shots are planned. Yeah. It's clean, it's framed, it's exactly what it needs to be, and, like, the edit complements that, that movie. Yes, because it's, it's Black Swan is more like you're you're in, taking in the character rather than the experience. Exactly, exactly. Where this is the experience and not about the character at all. Now, for for the audience at home, can you please explain what Cinema Verite is? Okay, and by yes. Audience at yes. home, I mean myself. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. So Cinema Verite. So if you're so there's that there's the big obviously you can you can separate movies into a lot of different spectrums of genre. So there's two big spectrums: which is Cinema Verite and Direct Cinema. Mm-hmm. Cinema Verite is the idea that you are taking whatever you're seeing at the most base level. So like found footage, hardcore found, like if you're gonna identify something as like a hardcore cinema verite, it's like a found footage documentary. Gotcha. Like it's like live footage of what you're actually seeing. Like this is what it is, like it's gritty, it's hardcore. Like uh, the closest we usually get to hardcore cinema verite in America is found footage. Gotcha. That's the closest we get. So when you go to direct cinema, clearly narrative very clearly separating the audience from the experience and being like artistically i'm gonna put you into this world that doesn't actually exist mm-hmm. and i'm gonna show it to you and this is what i'm gonna do yeah. and that's direct cinema gotcha. and i mean that's why there's a spectrum because there's a lot of movies that fall like requiem requiem is probably right on the fucking middle we're like aesthetically but that's why i think it hits people so hard aesthetically it's cinema verite like it's yeah. very much like you're in these people's lives it's kind of being shot but like at the same time you also have this idea that it's a story, like you're just you're separated from it, mm-hmm. and I think that's why it's it's a really good movie. Where something like this, uh, I would say it's definitely more shot. It's guerrilla style, so it's definitely shot more cinema verite. Um, but like the ed- the edit is so stylized, it kind of sits in that middle part. Because like, I guess if you have like a a purely cinema verite edit style, you don't really. It, it's awful. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, it's awful because editing. Editing at the, the chorus level doesn't exist. If you're going to do shooting at the chorus level, editing doesn't exist. So would documentaries constitute as cinema verite? Like straight Oof. documentaries? <sighs> straight, straight? I don't even know if I've seen anything that I would say is straight cinema verite as a documentary. Because a lot of the stuff goes through, you know, like the, the works. Um, I'm trying to think. What about like a home video I find in my basement? Well, okay, okay, okay. I guess, I guess, yeah. So Project X, we talked about that in the last episode. Project X, I guess, is probably the closest to a, a, a modern cinema verite that I've seen. Because, like I said, the cast was shooting it. Like they shot it on iPhones and then they cut it through that. And the cuts don't really have anything to do with the movie. The cuts are just making sure that you understand what the fuck is happening in the order. Yeah. So I would say that's probably. Yeah, it, it definitely a found footage film. I haven't seen a documentary because a lot of times the problem is so many documentaries are so like commercialized now. They're so yeah. so. I, I this it's been a while since Looking I've seen at a documentary. You, Tiger King. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, like, it's been a while since I've seen a documentary where I'm like, this is like the, the core of like what you know the deep found footage state of cinema is that doesn't usually happen. I feel like I have to find something foreign. Have you seen honest. Grey Gardens? No. You should watch Great Gardens. I feel oh, like yeah. that's cinema verite. It's Probably, just, yeah. It's just about like a strange family of the of Jackie Kennedy and like her cousins oh, that are like that sounds sick as fuck though. Actually, well, they're like clinically insane and live in a foreclosed house, and it's yeah. just their lives. Like, there's no plot. Nothing happens. I swear to God. But is it nothing... actually them? But is it actually them? It's actually them. Okay, like, they're yeah, actually yeah. cousins of Jackie Kennedy. It's it's That's become, crazy. like, a gay cult classic because everybody... Of course. Damn. Like... Are you trying to convert me? Are you trying to convert <laughs> me again, Paige? <laughs> no. But 
I feel like you should watch Great Gardens because I feel like this is what you're talking about with Cinema Verite, but it's Americanized. It's literally about America. It's about the Kennedys. Well, I mean, that's, that's the cool thing. Cinema Verite doesn't apply to just America. That's just the spectrum of filmmaking. Right, but you were saying you haven't, you would have to go forward. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I have an American thing. example. Oh, shit. Hell yeah. No, yeah. No, and it's and it's funny to, like, talk about that spectrum and then talk about editing because, like I said, the, the editor is the one who controls the pace of the movie. Yeah. Like, a lot of times, yeah, the director's in your ear, but, like, you have, there's a reason you're an editor. Like, there, yeah. you have that foresight of knowing, like, this is when I should cut. This is not when I should cut. And you'll tell the director, you'll be like, no, I, I don't think we should hang on this shot for this long. Yeah. Or you'll be like, I think that we should put this shot here. And I think this movie just shows, also, like, with, with how in-depth the editing is, you can tell it went through a lot of passes. Like, yeah, yeah. That's I... not, that's not an edit you just have. Yeah. That's an edit where, like, everybody saw the movie, they saw the dailies, they saw the clips, and they go, let's do it this way. Let's yeah. cut it this way. And, let's and like, that to me is editing. Like, that is, like, editing as an art form. Like, yeah. I know you can do it as a business. Like, obviously, that's what I do. Yeah. It as a business. But, like, the idea is, like, yeah, you can do it and you can control this, this new idea and, like, the way that people watch the picture. Mm-hmm. And I think it's crazy that this, this kind of movie that's, like, just so... I mean, maybe that's like my style, though. You like you like the fast pace because it it, it really shows like the the attention to detail and the stamina you need as an editor to keep something so cohesive at such a fast pace. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, yeah, it's one guy probably on a Dell Inspiron or like a Mac Pro being like, ah, fuck. <laughs> They're paying me $10 an hour and I'm staying up until fucking 3 o'clock in the morning. I just imagine the mental breakdown that happens when you control V when you should have control C or something like that. Just like, no, god no, let's damn Let's not it. talk about it. Let's not talk about it. There's a reason I macro all of my shortcuts. My, my mouse has 12 keys. <laughs> my mouse. Just Show so your I mouse. Can... Show your mouse. Oh, wait, I don't know if they can even see it. My... Look at that butte. Amazon, Got right? Got on sale. Got on sale. From Amazon? Best Buy. Best Buy. Buy. Sponsor us, Best Buy. I buy all my electronics from Best Buy because they have a really good warranty. They do. They've got good customer service. Most of the time. I'm getting I'm getting more adapted to. But yeah, no, this was a, this was a Corsair mouse. It was on sale for 50 bucks. Tyler recommended it to me. Shout out Tyler. I don't know if he's going to watch this episode. Maybe... I have a $5 mouse from Amazon that glows, but the lights at the top, <laughs> the top stop glowing. No, I literally, I got my mouse because I, I had to edit and I had my broken collarbone, so I couldn't use my left arm. Oh yeah, all. you snapped me about that. Sasha has no collarbone anymore. On what side? Left or right? No, no, shut up. It, it healed. Look at it. I have a collarbone. It's alive. It's alive and well. I have a Why is it collarbone. shaped like a cursive S? Uh, cause I broke the fuck out of it. <laughs> you know it like why. landed in your back, right? Yeah, the problem is I landed on my, on my collarbone, so when the impact hit it so far, it went, it broke half, my collarbone broke completely in half on one side, and then shifted into my back. Because of how intense the impact was. Oh my god, they should have put you on the set of this movie. You could take punches like, no tomorrow. Especially if I'm drunk, I'd be like, yeah, no, it's fine. Let's just keep going. <laughs> Let's just keep going. No, that's you don't need- I mean, to be honest, Jason stays the especially with the, the fucking cop uh, motorcycle shot, where he's just, like, standing on it and he just flies off yeah. <laughs> into, like, into like a, a restaurant, like, outdoor seating, stands up in his hospital gown, and then gets back on the phone. <laughs> No fucks given. Not I, a single fuck I was given. reading some trivia. So Amy Smart had like a body double for like the one boob shot that's in the movie, which I don't understand. Like, just show your boob. Yeah, no offense. Sorry. You're willing to be that character in the crank movie, but you're not willing to show one tit. Yeah. And like, honestly, she could have and still claimed it was a body double and gotten away with that for her whole life. One of the producers were straight up just like, sorry, Amy, your tits just like, not, not aesthetically pleasing. They just don't look like <laughs> They don't fit our edit. You need, you need different boobs. That'd be me. That'd be me. But like, I just can't get your areola inside her frame. I gotta get someone else. <laughs> Maybe that could have been it. But uh, apparently, so Jason Statham, low-key a good guy. So, like, the, the body double was, like, yeah. nervous about, like, being naked on camera. And he, like, went in up public? and was, like... Yeah, in public. And was like, it's okay, love. I'll take care of you. And, like... I think she feels so good. And ever since then, 
She was like, it was fine. I get to be naked with Jason Statham. This is wonderful. I'm sorry. I feel like that's also why I kind of always have a soft spot for people who aren't actors who come into acting. Yeah. So I feel like actors are taught to be a certain way, especially if their parents are in the industry already. Yeah. Like you, the industry is cutthroat. Like we can't, we can't deny the fact that you have to have a level of disassociation to yeah. even like make it into the industry. So for people like like Jason Statham or even The Rock, like not that I love The Rock's performance, but like the fact that he, he comes he from shows, WWE. He, well, he yeah, he shows up and he's there to have a good time. Yeah. I've never I've never heard anybody talk about The Rock, regardless of whether like I don't I don't enjoy his movies personally. I think most of them are garbage. But like people who are on set with them, they they always say that like he's he's a good guy. He's awesome. He's fun. He's there to like have a good time. Yeah. And, like, that I really enjoy. Like, I think that, and I'm, like I said, that's, that's the fun of, like, making movies. Yes. I love how this is the movie. Crank is the movie where we get the most technical. Right? right. <laughs> this is the most I've heard you talk on a technical level. Okay, welcome to me, though. <laughs> welcome to me, because I can only, like, I only feel comfortable talking about technical stuff when I, like, I'm like, oh, this is me. Like, I get this. Like, this is my aesthetic. Yeah. And this, this... This is something you can appreciate, but I do love how this is the movie that brought it out for you. And, like, I'm almost worried about Requiem for a Dream now, because it's like we basically covered the editing. Oh, no. No. Thank God. <laughs> no. Sorry, sorry. If that's what you're worried about, no. <laughs> that That's literally why I went for this film, to be like, oh, I can go into editing, because this is, like, this is the surface of, like, the way I can go into editing. Anyway, back to Crank. No. Back to Crank. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the, this, the one thing I do want to talk about is the score. Uh, okay, really yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of like licensed music. Like a lot of it is like actual pieces, but what score you had, um, worked the synth, well, the, the, synth. the synth, but also Sorry. I want to talk about the constant drum beat. There is not a ounce of score that doesn't have a fast paced tempo drum beat. It, it, it works so well. And that's the, the, what little score there is in this movie. There is not even like the intro part of the fucking score doesn't have that like drum beat like hitting you every did single you, second. Did you feel like the score? Because I think what I liked about the score, the score was very intertwined with the sound effects. Yes. It all sounded metallic and like cars and like kind of vintage as well. Yeah, but it wasn't to the point where it was like Baby Driver, where it was very yeah. like intentional, where everything's being cut specifically to that shit and all the sound effects is being cut to that stuff. Yeah. This just like naturally just kind of had that. I think that's that's maybe like a, a version of the grunge aesthetic that I like. Yeah. Where it's like you get that, that diagenic sound or you get the source sound, but then you also get, you know, this ambient overlay of, of music and stuff but it all works at the same time it does it does i think the only time the score like broke and it, it, it was diegetic so i guess it's fine um was the achy breaky heart thing i was really about to ask that's my thing so what do you think about that because uh, i love that as an i guess because i keep gushing about the editing i love that as an editor because that is the exact opposite <laughs> of what you need in that scene but yeah, he's still making it work. So you just have this like long take of him trying to get hyped up to like AJ Breaky to Heart. Billy Ray and Cyrus. It's not happening. It's I uh, so I like it because I know why they changed the song because of the line my achy breaky heart, his heart. So you kinda have to use that song. It was also Billy Ray Cyrus will sell that song to literally anybody. So they probably could get it for cheap. And then it's also it's it's I the wouldn't be surprised we were in public domain. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Ray Cyrus just paid a flat rate to put it in public domain. He probably did. He's like, I'll, I'll never be a one-hit wonder again. This is fine. <laughs> um, and it's it's also, it works on a comedy level because it's just such an out-there song to be in this movie where this, like, country folk kind of dance, uh, like, line-dancing song shows up for no reason. I just well, also, I love that they... they through the radio a bunch of different times it is all just that's it and achy breaky heart is the fastest beating <laughs> and it's still a slow tempo song it's not it's that's why i think it's that's why i think it's great that's why that's why i keep like gushing about this edit because it's like this edit's so fast but it knows exactly when to slow the pace down and that yeah. was one of those scenes where it's like we're gonna slow every like it's gonna be a like slow cuts and like at the beginning when he's like hitting the guy, they like keep cutting back and forth to be like, yes, you feel that like intensity of like what he needs. 
but he's not getting it. So the entire edit slows. Yeah. And you just get that one shot of him just like trying to trying to rock it out to Achy Breaky Heart. I love the shots of the taxi driver just being like, man, he does he like the song or is something wrong with him? I also love the Haitian taxi driver. <laughs> What do you think he was like, hey, crackhead, this is what makes you a man. <laughs> and it's probably opium. It's like some nutso stuff. Nutso shit. I don't trust anything in a dark brown bottle. Stuff is scary. <laughs> like the only thing that I, the only thing, because I, I kept consistently, it's recent. I buy Moroccan oil, so it comes in the dark. It looks exactly like that. So I'm like, oh, he's black. That's just for his hair, bro. <laughs> I'm like, it's either opium or it's for his hair. <laughs> Black people do not carry things in a dark pile otherwise. <laughs> it is 100% gel for your hair or it's opium. <laughs> like, it's, this can't be anything else. There's no in between. There isn't. It's a, it's a hard, it's a hardcore drug. If a black person ever uses something in a fucking a liquid in a dark bottle, it's either Moroccan oil or a very hard drug. <laughs> so say yes with caution. <laughs> Maybe rub it on your hair first, see if it does anything. Ooh, I would have been like, oh, my scalp's tingling. <laughs> I can feel all the ligaments. I can feel all the poly like molecules. <laughs> my dandruff is moving. <laughs> my dandruff is cocaine. <laughs> I imagine just like some crackhead just like shaving out the white shit. <laughs> the, can, I, can I just get a little bit? Oh my god. <laughs> You're vile. <laughs> <laughs> You're so vile. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you just talked about snorting dandruff. <laughs> do you know what just came out of your mouth? That's the problem. Yes, I do. <laughs> Welcome to me. Welcome to me, everybody. 2022 is the new me. <laughs> I love how you keep going with a joke until you see one shocked face, and then you're like, oh, no, we gotta go back. Well, I'm like, oh, well, especially because I'm only talking to one person, <laughs> technically. So if that one person has been jarred by my joke, then I'm like, oh, uh, yeah. And you know it's bad if I'm disgusted. <laughs> I I'll be honest, I can't believe that did it for you. <laughs> We've to talked about- your dandruff? But what if it's cocaine? <laughs> this I know. <laughs> She's shaking her head at me. I know nobody can see it, and she was silent about it, but in case anybody's wondering why I reacted that way, she was just shaking. She literally only just shook her head at me. <laughs> Sometimes I wish I had a rusty neck, because I shake your head, shake my head a lot at you, and I know no one could see it, so if they could hear, like, the, the clanging. I know, that, that's why I felt like I had to explain it, because, like, I see it and I notice it. <laughs> But I know it's not gonna come up on the mic. <laughs> I, I'm not I gonna hear like a. I can't. I went to the chiropractor today. I hope today. to God my neck crack just fucking registered on my mic. That'd be so sick. I heard Those... it. Oh, okay. Then yeah, I definitely did. Those loud as fuck. I I heard it. I went to the chiropractor today. I will not be cracking for a while. I just don't trust people in Los Angeles, <laughs> especially not to crack my bones. <laughs> I feel like there are a bunch of hippies. It's like, I can cure your Crohn's disease by cracking yeah, your spine. I, I literally, like, live on the same street. I can walk to the Holisthenics Health Center. Oh, don't trust anything with holistic in the title. Sorry, did, I, yeah, did I pronounce that wrong? Is it holistics? It doesn't matter. It's a made-up okay. hippie word. You can pronounce it however you want. That's what I thought. I was like, I just know that you guys don't believe in medicine or actually progressing the ideals of medication. Oh, do you have cancer? Have you tried essential oils? <laughs> Have you tried yoga to fix your diabetes? <laughs> it's a game changer. <laughs> you need green juice, man. Well, oh yeah, you don't have a salt lamp. That's why your back's fucked up. <laughs> oh, I missed the salt lamps. I forgot about the salt lamps. Salt lamp, get a salt lamp. I love my salt lamp. I will eat it. When we got the salt lamps at Bed Bath Beyond, you know the one that was like cracked and like little pebbles? Wait, wait, should we finish this episode? <laughs> oh shit, sorry. <laughs> so that was Crank. Yeah, yeah. So if you haven't seen Crank, Crank is awesome. Go see it on IMDb TV with ads. The ads make it better a little bit because oh! you'll be like, oh, you're about to see tits and it's just a progressive ad. We need to talk about the ads because my ads were dated to 2006. No fucking way. I had I'm ads. So jealous. I was looking at the fucking products as because like they look terrible and I started pulling them it? up. 
They were products released in 2006 for some reason. Or like in that 2000s area. I get the exact opposite where I'm getting like, like so I like got new Genexia. Age. Well, I got Genexia where it's like, it's the new brand of medication that actually cares about you. And I'm like, get the f I'm watching Crank. I don't, want, I don't want the Chinese shit. I don't want some synthetic Chinese shit. No, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Where your, where your ads, where your ads cut perfectly into the movie. Yes. Where it was like, yes. it was, like, it, was, it was cutting a scene, but instead of cutting to a different scene, it was just a fucking ad. And you're like, I, uh, okay. IMDb TV does great with their ad cutting. Cause I've now watched three movies going through IMDb TV. Uh, the Impossible Project, Project Almanac, all of them seamless. It's like, it, I was like part of the movie. Yeah, it was no. insane. To this point, rating suggestions. Let's go. Crank. Okay. 2006. Crank. If you're looking at it through the looking glass of it being 2006, it is a uh, 990 rails of coke out of 101. If you are not looking at it through the looking glass, two rails of coke out of 101. 100% the same. I'll say because, like I said, I gush over this edit. I love how short this movie is and how fast it just gets to the point. Doesn't waste your time. It doesn't waste. I'm sorry. If you're if you're gonna go for a hardcore action film, like if you want you want some adrenaline pumping shit, I would say Crank is ten out of ten. Ten yes. out of ten. Fucking mall escalator car. CGI mall escalator scene. cars. Uh, more escalator cars for sure. More escalator cars, dude. They should do it when they do a Dead Rising movie. I'm sure they're gonna do a Dead Rising movie. Why did the fuck have I'm honestly shocked. Well, it's it's Dawn of the Dead. It's just Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, but if you reskin it as <laughs> Dead Rising, it's gonna make more money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. So yeah, yeah. No, no. Crank. Yeah, Crank is problematic for sure because it's from 2006. If you if you don't think you're gonna like it, trust me, you're not gonna like it. But if you're interested in Crank, you'll love it. Yes. So that's why I'm I'm gonna give it like a nine out of ten because it's. It's action at its hardest core. The best, I think this is like one of the best action films. Hardcore. Hardcore yeah. US action films I've ever seen. It's fun. For sure. It's for a sure. lot of fun. Thank you everybody for watching. Catch us next week.